Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here today with my buddy Steve. Hello. Before we did the horror episode last week, we talked a little bit about starting a gaming group and we did mention that one of the things that you're likely to get asked is who's going to run the game. So we thought, well, you know, what better time to talk about running your first game and, and how to approach that? Because let's face it, sooner or later, most people, especially if, if you're like Steve and I and, and you're into some of these less common games, we'll call them. I was going to say weird, but okay. Well, yeah, weird, less common, however you want to want to phrase them, you're going to get, well, are you running it? So what better time to say, uh, sure, and jump in and get your feet wet. And, you know, the thing is, is that running games can be intimidating and, and that's perfectly normal. I mean, that was how I felt the first time I ran a game. I'm sure it was the same for you. Oh, yeah. I, I was I was in over my head when I first ran a game. I was I had no idea. Yeah. Well, like for me, that was when, you know, I had kind of fallen head over heels for for the rifts system. and. And nobody wanted to run it. And so I'm like, well, then fine, I want to play this game. So fine, I'll do it. And it, <laughs> I don't want to talk bad about the game because it, it's a wonderful world. But let's say that if you were going to run your first game, I probably would not advise you to choose that system. There's a couple systems I really wouldn't advise. Unless, you, unless you're very confident with the system. I, yeah, there's a couple that I wouldn't advise running your first game in. Oh, yeah, there's there are a lot that are that way, but that actually kind of brings me into some of what I think we need to talk about, and that's, you know, well, where do you start? And, well, it might seem obvious that you start with, well, what game do you want to run? That's not necessarily the best place to start, I don't think. No, I, I really feel you can pick a game and go, I want to run this game, and that be your first that be the first system that you run, that's fine. I just feel that sometimes it's easier to get a feeling for how to run a game by running a different game, let's say. I think a good place to start for a lot of people is, we talk about it a lot, is Dungeons & Dragons. It's a really simple system to run. It's a lot like being a player, but it gets you that feeling of how to read a table. Yeah, well, I, I do think that to a certain point, yeah, you're, you're a good jumping off point should be a, a system you're at least familiar with. In all honesty, my personal opinion, and for whatever that's worth, feel free to disagree, anyone out there listening or, or even you, Steve, but I think where you really want to start is with what story do you want to tell? What do you want to do in this game? Because it's going to inform your choice of system because depending on what story you want to tell or, or what setting you want to use, some systems are going to do that more than others. True. I mean, you can, but you can't really tell a very good cyberpunk story with the D&D &D system. Right. You're better served to use a dedicated one. Just like we talked about last week with horror, you, a lot of systems you can't do horror in just because they're not made for it. Right. And I guess that maybe what I was trying to say before was not so much about what kind of story you want to tell, but think about where your brain lives in terms of if you're imagining stories. You know, like for me, I deal much better in near modern or post-apocalyptic settings. You'll be at, you know, like a cyberpunk or 
or you know whatever your your post-apocalyptic flavor choice is that's where my brain i i think quickly in that setting i'm okay with fantasy but it's not as strong for me and that's perfectly fine you know maybe maybe you've really been into superhero comics and so you can think really fast in terms of superhero stuff well good for you i really I don't do that well in those. That is, speaking of thinking really fast, that is going to be my first key point for when running your first campaign. You know, aside from picking the setting that you know very well, it's it's very important to be able to work off of your feet. Very few times as a DM are you going to... Are you going to encounter players that think exactly like you or have the same plan that you do? And that can be difficult. So being able to accommodate for your players and go, you know, if, if your players say, I turn left and you only accommodated for the when they turn right, well, then you have to sort of work around that. You have to be able to work with what they can do and what they want to do. Even in pre-writtens, you can have where they make a left instead of a right. You just have to plan on, okay, well, I'm going to either move the goalposts or turn the map over. Turn yeah. <laughs> Throw out my notes that I wrote since last month because you decided to break a case. Yeah, well, I think you know though that that goes to you know like I said, I think where where you're probably going to be the most comfortable is if if you're playing in a setting where you already feel comfortable thinking in that space, and then you know find a game system that works in that space as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and for for example. We have we both play with a guy who's very much into Star Wars, and I think he would be right at home playing in the Star Wars Genesis system. Me and you are sort of alike in that we we are both fans of post-apocalyptic cyberpunk, more modern stuff, more you know grounded in reality type things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think you know the individual we're talking about. He's also, I mean, he's a huge Star Wars fan, and and I enjoy Star Wars. I know you do too. You've probably kept up with it more more recently than I have. But like for me to run a Star Wars campaign with him as a player would be awkward because he just off the top of his head knows so much more about the lore and the universe and whatever that it's going to be like, well, no, it really works this way all the time. And yeah, you can go ahead and change it if you want as the game master. But I don't know. I know what I'm thinking. It's just kind of hard for me to say it. You know, I I understand what you're getting at. It's it's playing with somebody who's a rules lawyer when you haven't really played the game before but it's it's more of a settings lawyer yeah especially in pre-existing settings you know there's a lot of really good games out there star wars star trek these have expanded lore these can be really daunting if you don't know all of that expanded lore and maybe maybe your friends don't know it as well as you do so that might work good for you maybe you are the guy that knows everything there is to know about star wars or Star Trek, or, you know, 40K, Warhammer, you know, that type of thing. If you know all this lore, that can really benefit you as a DM because it'll cut back on the, well, that doesn't work that way. And you having to explain, no, it does, because this is my world, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to speak, I guess maybe to a certain point, what I'm trying to say is find something that you're already at least a semi-expert at. And if you're the, the most knowledgeable person on the topic at the table, all the better. But that's not to say that, you know, like I said, let's say you want to play a pirate game. Well, okay, you can do that with D&D. &D. Um, you could do that with a lot of games. There are some that are 
probably more suited to it. I know I know there's one out there called Seventh Sea, but I don't know that that's actually all about pirates. I think it's more about kind of that era, but not necessarily pirates themselves. Yeah, and then you have stuff that's not traditional pirates. You have more fantasy pirates, and yeah, everything, you can find a little mix of what you want to play with. And, you know, that goes, again, to us, we talk about it almost every episode, look into games that aren't D&D. And I know I talked a little bit about starting your first game being D&D, but you don't have to. If you can find a game that's in a setting that you want to play, you've never DM'd before, read the book, play the game. You can run it. I believe in you. Everybody believes in you. Nobody wants to see you fail. And, and in most cases as a DM, I found that starting DMs are so afraid to jump feet first into that pond. The water's only as shallow as you make it. The water's only as deep as you make it, I should say. Yeah. You just have to jump in, have some faith, run the game. Everybody makes hiccups. Even professional plays every day of their every day of the week. It's what they do for a living. DMs make hiccups. Oh yeah. That's okay. There's a theory in music that when you're playing music, you just keep going. You can make a mistake on stage, but you can't stop and go, oh man, I made a mistake. Yeah. You just have to keep going. And that's the same idea with DMing. Just because you're going to make mistakes and you're afraid to make that step, don't be afraid to make that step. Keep going. Yeah. And I mean, like, in my personal opinion, D&D probably wouldn't be the greatest choice, only because you are apt to have that, that one person who, despite their best efforts, is going to go, well, no, it actually works this way a lot. And hey, look, I can be that person at times, so <laughs> I'll raise my hand and, and say guilty. But but yeah, if, it, especially if it's not D and D, it just find something and run with it. And I've you know my personal gaming philosophy has has always been like Steve said, you know, just go with it. It doesn't necessarily matter what the rule is is as it's written, as long as you apply it uniformly to everybody, it's cool. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is a hobby about making pretend with your friends or with people you want to be friends with. Mm -hmm. If it seems cool, do it. And if it's completely different than how the book book is written, well, guess what? This went from a pre-written module to a homebrew campaign in a fraction of a section. Second. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and there's a phrase that you've probably heard if you've been around gaming too long or you will hear a lot. It's called the rule of cool. And basically what that just means is... Oh, that's really cool. We're going to do it whether or not the book says we can. Right? And just roll with it. Don't be afraid to let, like I said, don't be afraid to say yes. That's one of the things that I see a lot of times, you know, learning to say no. We talked about this two episodes ago or the last episode. It is really an important thing that we're going to have to do an episode on sooner rather than later. But saying yes to your players can have some of the most unintentionally fun gaming experiences in you know gaming style you can't have that kind of fun like it's what separates video games from rpgs because you have the ability to say yes and let's see where this goes very much so in a video game you can't do that per se but in pen and paper rpgs if i sit you know if i sit there and i look at you and you're dming and i go i want to play half squirrel half human bard you're going to be like sure i want to see where that goes <laughs> yeah well but that's and here's another little secret to, to let you all in on if you say yes that tells your players that, that they start running with that and if you're nervous about it that's less you actually have to do 
You know, if, if your players take off with something and they're doing something between themselves, that's fun that, that's being had and you didn't have to actually do anything for it. Every interpersonal conversation that happens between each player is less DMing you have to actually do. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, that sounds, I don't know, sounds kind of crazy in a way, but yeah, really sometimes saying yes is the easiest way to make it easy on yourself. Well, one of the things that can be difficult is encouraging your players to roleplay. And encouraging your players to roleplay and roleplay amongst themselves gives you valuable time. I do this especially. If my players are having a conversation, I'm listening to what their conversation is happening, but I'm also looking up, all right, they want to do this, so how am I reacting to this appropriately? Yeah, say yes, let the players do things and, and react to it. That's going to get you a long ways. And, you know, the other thing, I should have mentioned this before, but when you're deciding what to do, you know, talk to the people you intend to play with. If this is an established group of friends, talk to them, go, hey, what do you want to play? And, you know, let's say you wanted to do pirates and you were thinking Jack Sparrow. Well, they say, oh, we want to do something in space. Well, you can very easily do space pirates and combine the two. Yeah. I mean, you know, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. There's the Mutant City Blues game that is a mashup of cop drama and mutant superpowers. Well, back to this Pirates in Space, there's Starfinder, which is basically Pirates in Space. Yeah. Scum and Villainy is another one that's based off Blades in the Dark. Yeah. Ask your players what do they want to play. And if it aligns with something that you have interest in, start doing some research. Start looking to see what, what you could play. And if it's a system you've never touched before, get the book, read over it. You don't have to have an absolute understanding of the rules to play a game. Absolutely not. I mean, that's not true with all systems, but that is true in most cases. If you don't have an absolute understanding of the rules, you can still sit down, start playing the game, and as you hit a rule, you have to look at it and go, oh, that's how that does that. And for me, I'm a hands-on learner. I'm a person who learns by doing. Yeah, I tend to be that way as well. I can't play a game, you know, I can't learn how to play a game more effectively if I don't touch it, feel it, read that rule myself. I can't sit and just read the book and go, I understand how this works. Yeah. Perfect example of this is I had to ask you, because I've read Cyberpunk, I read it once a year since I was 14, Jeez. and that was reading the core book. And I had to ask you how do grenades work? Because I read it on paper and I just didn't understand how it works. Mm -hmm. But once I learned how to do it, now I understand, oh, that's how the rule works for grenades. It's, it's really a matter of play the game, get a feeling for it, and, and go from there. Yeah, and depending on, on what you like to do, you know, certain systems, if you're not especially talented with math, probably want to stay away from systems that tend to be crunchier. Well, that's where Genesis comes in. Yeah, Genesis, powered by the apocalypse, fate. There's a lot of them that, that really don't require a lot of math. You know, cyberpunk can be a little mathy. I don't think it's as bad as Dungeons and Dragons, but other people would argue the other way. I don't get that cyberpunk's mathy. I think cyberpunk is almost, I, it's a very good D20 system, is my opinion of cyberpunk. Except it doesn't use a D20. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, it's the same concept, though. Well, I think, though... The thing to me, that, and I kind of realized this, I was having a discussion with somebody on a Discord channel about it, and I think what it comes down to is that while the crunch level might be a hair higher in Cyberpunk than it is in 5th edition D&D, I feel like you get a lot more out of the crunch in Cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. Like, Cyberpunk, if you really look at it, is, is quite a simulation-y system, and often those are 
crunch nightmares where I don't really get that feeling with, with cyberpunk with the exception of maybe the net running and the martial arts rules get a little goofy, but you know, the, the basic gameplay is, is very simple. I, I really like the ranged combat rules. I definitely agree with you. I think the ranged combat in cyberpunk is really well done. There's a lot of things, but again, it goes back to I have a base understanding of the game that you want to play and then go from there and then grab, grab some players, start playing the game. It gets to be a really, it, it gets to be an intuitive thing over time. And yeah. the only way you're going to get used to DMing is by doing it. Yeah. You, you don't jump on a bike and ride 10 miles the first time. It's just not how it works. Like you said, you get, get you some kind of kind of story that you want to have and it could be as simple as let's go you know rescue a princess from the evil wizard in the castle but you know figure it out and and break it up into a couple of of stages you know you're you're going to need to have some sort of encounter be they combat or social but kind of get an idea of of like for me I do it kind of by scenes that I want to have you know be it there's a scene in a tavern where you find out about this job you need to go on and so we do that, and then, then maybe we have some sort of confrontation on the way there, to, you know, to wherever it is that we're going that isn't really tied to the story, it's just some sort of bump in the road. One of the easiest ways I've found to try and get an idea as a beginning DM or GM is to think if-then-else. And this is a programming idea, but it, it works with this game type, too. If the players do this, then this happens, else move on to the next thing. So let's say if the players enter the tavern, then there's a brawl in the tavern. If they don't enter the tavern, that's when your else comes in, then they go to the end, you know, or you describe it in. Or it's it's that idea of making a flow in your head of this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And it doesn't have to happen in that order. C can happen before A sometimes, or Z can happen before Y. But it's very much a, you want to just keep the story moving. You want to keep everything going. That's the whole goal. Just keep everything flowing. Even if you're just, even if you're just spitballing ideas and you just want to, you know, you've run out of something, you can't think of the next combat, make a room where there's a short rest and take a five minute break, you know, just keep the story moving. Keep yeah. the line going. and Well, that's, you know, uh, GM Eric brought that up when we had him on a couple episodes ago. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, look, I need five minutes. Yeah. Everybody go use the bathroom, refill your drink, you know, you know, go have a cigarette if you smoke or, you know, whatever. But yeah, like you said, you know, if then else may not be an elegant programming solution, but it's darn effective. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not the most clear thing in the world if you... You know, you have to have a very specific brain to think in that logical way, but it does work. Yeah. And you can find whatever works for you. I know people who are not, I know people who can't understand programming logic that still can run awesome D&D campaigns. I know people with severe ADHD that run amazing D&D campaigns. Yeah. It, it's, it's more along the lines of listening to what the players are doing reacting and and keeping the story moving yeah i mean you know above everything else just remember that you're all there with the intention to have a good time so even if it doesn't go how you wanted it to go as long as everyone's having fun then you succeeded i actually it was this morning or yesterday 
uh, watched a video on YouTube from uh, the channel, I think, How to Be a Great GM. I think I mentioned him last week. He has a channel on this, and one of the things he brought up was, you know, the, the KISS principle. And that's essentially, you know, keep it simple, stupid. And it doesn't mean to call anyone stupid. It's, it's the idea that keep it simple because if you keep it simple, you haven't invested a ton of time into something you're not going to use. And if it's simple, it's much easier to adapt to the curveballs that inherently are going to get thrown at you if you're running a game. Right. And, you know, you can, you can put time into the details, but that base premise, you should probably keep that fairly simple. That way the details can come and go as you need them to. Right. If you have a very specific place that you want the players to go, maybe you're running a cyberpunk game, you have this nightclub scene in your mind. The players aren't wanting to go to that nightclub? Well, that's okay. Keep that, save it for later, move to something else. Or figure out a way to adapt that scene to an environment where they are. Right. Or, and this isn't a great DMing technique, I, I don't push for it a lot. There's a technique called railroading, where you're pushing your players in a direction. Use that very gently. Do not heavy railroad your players, this is a bad thing, but you can easily, gently push your players in a direction, and most of the time, they'll go that direction. Yeah, I've, I actually have found that to a certain extent, well, no one wants to be quote-unquote railroaded. Most of the time, a lot of players, especially uh, if they're not really experienced, they do want some kind of direction. Right. You know, a, a, a true sandbox is a beautiful thing, but it requires a lot of investment and buy-in, both from the GM and the players. And it can be very daunting on both ends. Yeah. As a player in a true sandbox, it's, you know, you plop me in a world and tell me to do whatever, I'm going to be like, uh... Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like we've talked about it a little bit, you know, the the cyberpunk campaign that, that I ran for our group about a year ago now, but I wanted to go more sandboxy, but I didn't convey that real well. And and I don't think the players as a whole were were really ready for that, at least in that world. Right. And I, I think that was part of, they'd just come off D&D &D and sort of looking for that more because Dungeons and Dragons does facilitate a more rigid structure. I, I think the idea is more show the players the railroad tracks and go, those go that way, but you're standing on them. So you can either follow them or you can walk to the left mm -hmm. or to the right. Or, you know, and just sort of show them where you would like them to go and then let them make their decision. Don't get mad when they don't want to follow those tracks where it becomes a problem and railroading is a good thing to a bad thing. Where it becomes a problem is with the DM or GM that wants to force their players to go in a direction that the players don't want to go in. Well, there's a big boss this way and you have to go fight him. No, we don't. No, yeah. we can say to this town hasta la vista and leave and let the town burn whether that's against the character motives or whatever but don't try and force your players to do anything convince them politely to do everything well the the what's the phrase the illusion of choice and i don't say that meaning only give them one choice but i found a lot of times watching groups in play a lot of times all you really have to do is is present the route you kind of want them to go in and they'll run headlong down it oh yeah i i found a lot of times if you're if you're and this goes back to 
be a pretty decent person. If you're very gentle about, you know, hey, this direction's open, you know, you know this is what's at the end of that road, they'll head down that road because they're not trying to... You never want to have a situation where it's us against them or, you know, your players against yourself. You can have those in combat. You can have those situations with the bad guy, but you never want to have that when it comes to actually playing at the table. That's the sign that your group is collapsing is when your players are going out of their way to do things that you've said no to or trying to find workarounds for things that you don't want them to do you need to start taking a step back and maybe saying yes to more things rather than saying no all the time. Yeah, just say yes and, and, and roll with their ideas. I mean, you know, I don't know if I've actually told you this yet, Steve. The Cyberpunk one-shot I ran last fall, that was the first game session I GM'd in almost 20 years. Hmm. You know, and I, I just sort of went, uh, okay, I have this idea. What do you guys think? And, you know, one of you said something and the other one said something else. And I'm like, Okay, this, 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 this. All right. And yeah, for the most part, I just said yes and and rolled with it. And then you guys did something. And so I did something based off of that. And in the end, we all had a good time. Right. And that's that's how that goes. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. It's not as hard as you think it is to run a game. That's the, the, the simplest way I can say it. I think that's going to be the biggest takeaway from this episode is it's not as hard to run a game as you think it is. Yeah, don't feel like you have to know everything. Basically, what you kind of want to have is you want to have an idea where you start. You want to have an idea of where you want to get to and a couple of things that you want to happen in between. And the rest of it, you just just riff off of what's happening, you know, and as far as, you know, the the things that you you are planning, you know, like I said, the the beginning, kind of the end and a couple of bumps in the middle. That's where you do want to take some time and, and work up, you know, be it what I do a lot of times is I make quick and dirty NPC or monster cards on index cards. So I can just pull them out and, okay, you know, we've got three gangbangers in a cyberpunk game or whatever. Well, I've got, you know, an index card with the, the information I need on it. I don't bother to do a whole character sheet. I just do the stuff that I need. Right. And you just have it quick, dirty, and ready to go. Yeah. And, you know, for Cyberpunk, the other one that there were times where I'm like, crap, I need more and I only have this many. So in Cyberpunk, I mean, you know this, Steve, but your stats are a one to 10 and your skills are basically a one to 10. So what I would do a lot of times, what, yeah, I should say one to 10. Yeah. Your skill ranges from a value of one to 10 and also your stat does. And then what you do is you add those two numbers together and you roll a D10 and that's your result. So what I would do sometimes is the first time I needed to roll an ability for one of these, you know, on-the-fly NPCs, I would roll 3d6 plus a d10 and write down what the 3d6 was so I knew for the next time. Yeah. And that represented their stat plus their skill. I mean, I, I get that completely. So let me talk a little bit about D&D and what I do for that. I have a list of favorite monsters. I like these, like, 15. So when I need one, I go to my list of favorite monsters and I grab that one based off of, you know, appropriate character level. And with D&D, it's a little bit easier because I can just go, all right, you fight like 10 kobolds because, you know, whatever, you're level whatever. You don't have to know every stat in the book. You don't have to have this like perfectly thought out plan. If you're pretty good and, and you'll get better, believe me, you'll get better at working off your feet. If you're pretty good at working off your feet and improv improvising things, 
you can get really good at DMing and people will go, wow, I can't believe that this story went that direction. Well, yeah, because I didn't know it was going that direction. I didn't write anything down. Some of my best sessions I've ever run were sat down at a table with a blank piece of paper that my players think has something written on it. But really, I'm just writing down the names of characters that I'm coming up with on the fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know what, and it doesn't apply as much in one sh- one shots, but in campaigns completely, you know, have a notebook there or take notes if you use a laptop. I can't type fast enough to use a laptop for that, but, you know, that's that's just me. You know, I'm old. Um, but, yeah, have something, you know, scribble notes to yourself about what's going on or they did this thing and and you're going to oh that gives me something i can use down the road just scribble little notes like that to yourself you know and you know it'll really make the world come more alive to your players if they see that them doing something had an effect down the road and you can't plan for that because you don't know what they're going to do but if you react to what they do and and have a plan or you react to what they do and then do something based off of that. Now, it, like I said, it really makes the world feel more alive. Yes, definitely. You know, I think, that, like I said, we've said, though, the biggest thing to remember is, you know, especially if you're doing it in person, which, again, with currently being the whole COVID thing, that's a different, you know, may not be as, as possible, but maybe you're just doing it with friends online. So it's it's still friends and people you know. Remember, you know, these are your friends or you know, as Steve said earlier, if they're not your friends, they're people you probably hope to become friends with. So don't think of it in terms of them being extremely judgmental. You know, just go into it, say, hey, I'm going to have fun doing this. And and when you get done or even, you know, you take a break a couple hours in, ask everybody, hey, are you having a good time? That's what it's all about, having a good time. I think one of the things one of the things that I like to do is ask, what do you like? What are you enjoying right now? Yeah. And that tells you where you're doing well, and it tells you what to focus on. If your players are really enjoying, you know, oh man, I really like this setting. Okay, well then we need to do some more. We're going to focus on the setting more. We're going to double down on things. We're going to really, you know, I really like the tone of this adventure. Okay, cool. So now I know that they like the tone, which means that I'm hitting, I'm hitting the right tone that I want to pl- be at. Mm-hmm. And then you also know that if a player says something along the lines of, I like the setting, well, then I need to improve my tone because, you know, they said they really like the setting. So are they enjoying the tone of the story? Ask, ask leading questions, ask questions that, that help you make the setting and sessions and game all around better for everyone. It'll make it better for yourself because if they go, hey, I like the setting, I don't like the tone. Well, now you know to change your tone. If they say, hey, I like the setting, but I don't like the monsters we're fighting. Okay, what kind of monsters do you think would be in this setting? That's a legitimate question, and they can answer that and and have this back and forth with your players. One of the biggest things that gets lost, this is something that you don't get with actual play podcasts or actual play YouTube shows, you don't get the conversation with the players afterwards. You don't get the conversation with the players beforehand. You don't get to the feeling of, all right, so what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? What does need to be improved? What do you expect out of this? And that's one of the biggest things to ask is, what do you expect out of this? Yeah, that's very true. You, you, have, to know, you have to know what people want in order to be able to provide it. 
and I don't want it to seem like I know we did a whole episode. This whole episode has been devoted to starting out starting a game. I don't want it to seem like these are hard rules. These are just things to keep in mind. Yeah. I, I still want to go back to beginning and say back when we started this, we were like, take the jump, do it, go for it, make that step into DMing. You can do it. Nobody wants to see you fail. We just want to give you tips because this is where we've experienced, you know, my first time DMing was an absolute nightmare. I was running for a group of people I'd never met before in a system I'd never touched before. I was literally DMing 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons for a group of people at a library that I'd never met before and I'd only ever read the book. So I, I was like trial by fire. That's what you have to do sometimes. Sometimes you just have to get on the bike and roll it down that hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, yeah, these people aren't out to get you. And and as a side note, though, I would like to say, you know, if you're a person playing in the with a someone who's GMing for the first time, and especially if you're someone who does GM a decent amount and you're playing with this first time game master, don't don't backseat drive them. You know, be be willing to offer advice, but don't offer too much unsolicited advice because that can actually kind of have the reverse effect of what you're intending. I know that personally because it, it's embarrassing when somebody goes, hey, I know you're new at this, but maybe you should, you know, like, if it's, if it's, if they're coming to you and saying, can I have some advice on how to do this? Or if you can tell that they're actually struggling with a rule, ask, hey, do you understand that? Is there something I can help you with? Don't just go, well, that's not how that works. Don't, as a player, don't just go, well, that's not how that works. This is how that works. Let them do their thing. Maybe after the session's over, talk to them and go, hey, this works this way, by the way. Or, hey, did you happen to read that section on that rule that you were having issues with earlier? Yeah, you know, have the conversation maybe in, in private afterwards or, again, you know, we live in a digital era. Message them on Facebook or text them or, you know, however it is, Discord, you know, the eight zillion ways you can communicate now. But yeah, don't, don't backseat driver them. You know, and, and that's a whole lot easier said than done. Just be polite. That that goes back to etiquette. Yeah. Yeah, very much, really. You know, and I'm going to say this, and, and Matt Mercer GM'd for the first time sometime. He didn't yeah. just become what he is now. No, it, I think GM Eric talked about it, and it's true. You just, you you aren't going to start and be the best at this it is something you can improve at. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I really like the analogy he brought up that, you know, equating critical role to the Bulls of the mid-90s. You know, those were amazing teams to watch. You know, was it the the Warriors a couple years ago in the NBA that went on an incredible run in the regulars? But anyway, yeah, you can't. I just, I'll just say one word and, and you'll understand completely. It's, it's basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. You know, or, you know, any team, you know, be it the, the Patriots in football, whatever, um, you know, these are, these are professionals at what they do. You, you can't expect to, to take it in a, in a reference that, that, you know, video games can understand. You aren't going to be Tony Hawk the first time you step on a skateboard. No, it, it's, it, you just have to work at it. Yeah. You know, the only way you're going to be able to work at being a DM is DMing. I'm sorry. I know that's that's sounds like it's such a mean thing to say to somebody, but the only way you're going to get better is to do it. Yeah, and you can pick up a lot. I've learned a lot listening to to various GMs on, you know, actual play podcasts, but 
nothing beats actually doing it. You have to implement these things you think you've picked up. There's something that I realized. Because I used to listen to the same amount of content that I listen to now, before I DM, back when I was just a player. What I realized is that when you DM, you start understanding more what the DM is doing, and you can learn more tricks from that. See, you can listen to a DM as a player and, and just sort of go, oh, okay, it sounds like they're doing this, or it sounds like they're doing that. When you start actually DMing and you start listening to other people do it, you then get to this point where you're realizing that, oh, Matt's doing this, Matt's killing time here, or our DM in, in this campaign is doing this because that sets him up for this here, or it's, he's dropping hooks for a plot thread, or, you know, you start picking up on those cues and you start learning that everybody does it a little bit differently and everybody's everybody's method is in a way right everybody's method if they have a successful campaign going that works for them and it's it's one of those things where as you dm and you listen to other people dm you start to understand little tips and tricks and things that you know maybe veteran dms don't tell you up front but they do it in their games so you pick up on it yeah and you know what i'm sure I know this from, from other things I've done and tried to teach people to do. There are also things that no matter how much a DM that you know is, is trying to teach you and help you, there are things that they do that they don't realize they do and therefore can't explain to you. You know, and that's not them being, it's just something that they do and they don't realize they're doing it. So with that, I think we want to sort of wrap up this segment. Yeah. Get back to the point of, Get out there and DM, and maybe if you want to DM, you might want to DM some of the games of the week. Ooh, games of the week? Better yet, come DM a game of the week with us as players. Yeah, or better <laughs> yet, come come play a game of the week with us as DMs. Yeah, yeah, any which way. Play something. Play something new. I look for me to be running a Mutant City Blues game before the end of the year. I call a spot. Okay. <laughs> you always have a spot at the table. You know that, right? <laughs> there's always a chair that's got your name written on it. Everybody's confused because there's two chairs with Steve written on them. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, I think that makes it means it's time to do Game of the Week, does it not? Yes, it does. <laughs> Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right. Whose turn is it to go first this time? I'm calling you. I'm saying it's your turn. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah, well, you're going to make me... Okay, now I got to... Okay. <laughs> well, um, This is the much less prepared portion of the podcast. Yeah, yes. Yeah, this is the, the five minutes before recording. Oh, crap. What am I going to do for Game of the Week this time? Well, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you can hear my keyboard clicking in the background as I look for a game actively during the podcast. Well, and like some of them, sometimes are games, you know, that I've legitimately been interested in for, for quite a while. And other times it's like, yeah, there are times where I go, I'm not looking for any more games that I want to play because it's just more money I'll want to spend. Well, some, sometimes I just open the front page of a drive-thru and go, that one looks good. Yeah. Well, in, in any case, I think uh, this week I'm going to go with a game that, that you actually pointed me at uh, a couple months back. And this is called Action Movie World. And the, the core book's actually subtitled First Blood, and it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game, completely intended 
to play, you know, those 80s, 90s action movies. Just, you know, be it, oh, what the heck, Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. I can't uh, think of the... What is it called? 24 Hours or whatever. So, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, that one too. Beverly Hills Cop, Tango and Cash, any Jason Statham movie, you know, you know, most honored movies or, or you know, a lot of Stallone's movies. And it's, it's exactly what this game is designed to, is to to play an action hero and do crazy action movie stuff. You know, like I said, it's powered by the apocalypse, so it's pretty rules light. Looks like you just need a couple of D6s. Um, you know, if you want the, the, the PDF, it's on drive through for all of six ninety nine, Or you can even order the softcover book, and you can get the softcover book with the PDF combined for eleven fifty. And I believe there's also, there's an expansion for it that's not showing up on my screen right now. Wrong tab. Where's the tab? There's the tab. Yeah, the, the uh, expansion is called Deleted Scenes. And that one is all of, okay, the PDF is $3.99 and the PDF softcover is $6. So for $17.50, you can get both books. And is it going to be the most in-depth game you ever played? Probably not, but I'm willing to bet you're going to have a hell of a good time with it. And that's what, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And the movie I was thinking of is called 48 hours. It's with actually Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> okay. I, I could easily have been confusing. I'm sure I was cause I'm terrible with movie names. Well, I just, when you said Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy, that was, I was like, Oh, what was that movie? It was like 24 hours. And then I was like, no, it's 72 hours. And then I looked at it and I'm like, Oh, 48. Okay, I was close. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you could play Demolition Man with this, too. Oh, man. I I keep thinking about running a Demolition Man game in Cyberpunk because it would be such a good fit. Oh, yeah, it would. It really would. I love that movie, too. I, that's so good. That's where my <laughs> love of, that's where my, my, my love affair with GMA bodies started. It's where my love affair with, um, oh, what is his name? Not Stallone. Um, Snipes? No, not Snipes. Uh, uh, the guy from the sewer. Um, oh, Dennis Leary. Yes, that's where my that's where my love of Dennis Leary comes from because I saw that movie at a very young age because I watched a lot of eighties action movies when I really shouldn't have been watching eighties action movies. See, seven. This is where we have weird conversations because I was like, well, you were around when that movie came out. I was. I think I was in my twenties. Yeah, I was going to say... The, Late teens, early 20s. You were around when that movie came out. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. well, RoboCop is probably more cyberpunk than, than action movie in a lot of ways, but I'm sure you, without having actually read this game, but I'm sure you can make it work somehow. Yeah, I'm sure you can make it work. Actually, I was... When did it come out? I was just around when Demolition Man came out. It came out in 93. So... <laughs> This was a year I graduated high school. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was I was born, let's see, three months before that movie came out. Jeez. Uh, my, my book, my game of the week, is actually a tie-in with the Genesis Core rule system. Uh, Genesis, which is the system that, the system that the Star Wars game runs off of. Genesis is sort of the generic version of that. This is Shadow of the Beanstalk. This is like mm -hmm. a, 
cyberpunk version of the Genesis take. It's it's very much their setting, and it's a really it's really cool. I really like. It really seems like a nice take on on the future on cyberspace. It, it's a really cool addition to the Genesis system. Yeah, it's something I've actually been interested in for a while. Just I haven't I haven't taken the jump off the bridge to uh, to actually spend money on it yet. Yeah, I don't know a lot about the Genesis system. I hope to learn a little bit more here soon, but... I'd like that as well. I I just... It's just one of those things where I saw it, I, I listened to a podcast, and I heard them talk about it, and I was like, ooh, that sounds cool, let me look into that. And I'm like, oh, that is... That is the Genesis version of Cyberpunk, and that's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of Cyberpunk, just to derail things a little bit, Cyberpunk is coming out November 19th, which is the same day as as the video game comes out, which is kind of funny. Well, actually, the the hardcover comes out the 19th. I believe the PDF drops the 14th. No. Well, either way, it's still that same week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know they they are releasing the PDF literally, you know, a few days earlier. I, I haven't looked at the thing yet, but, or recently, but. Yeah, it is coming out, and and look, we're both excited about that. I mean, we we both have been rather upfront with with how much we like that game system. Yeah, so expect that to be like, oh, Steve, what's your game of the week? Cyberpunk <laughs> Red. Oh, sweet, mine is too. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting over you know, whatever to get to a copy of it. But with that, I think that comes to the end of our podcast for yeah, this week. About done. What all do we have? You know. Come come to our Discord. Talk with yes, us. Yes, please. Please come join our Discord. It's me and Steve. You know, you can find us as me and Steve RPGs on Discord. Uh there will be there are I'll place actual links in the show notes and description. You can click on that now. You can find us on Facebook at your me and Steve Talk RPGs podcast, I believe. Let me double check that. Yeah, I know on Twitter we're at the handle displayed is me and Steve talk RPGs. Uh, the at is at and RPGs. And I know, I know that there's a link to the discord in a pinned post or tweet, whatever on there. Right. And on, on Facebook, it's me and Steve RPG podcast. Okay. I know I, I liked it, (laughs) but yeah, come find us, you know, Holler at us one way or another. Come, come chat with us. Give us your thoughts. If, if, if there's a topic that you'd like us to cover, you know, come on into the Discord and suggest it. You know, I can't guarantee that we'll cover it, but there's a decent chance we will. Yeah. Other than that, you know, we we get back to our Facebook really quickly. Hit us up on there. Hit us up on Discord. Please come join if you're interested in playing any of the games of the week. We will be running games of the week eventually. Um, We both have to have lives and sort of get that figured out. But I would love to jump into Mutant City Blues or any of the games that we really talked Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Come check us out and and tell your friends, you know, tell tell people if you work with people that are tangentially related, you know, interested in this or, you know, you're if you have a running session, you play in a group, tell them, hey, I listen to this podcast. It's two guys ramble on about you know, whatever, but you know, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your family. If you think we suck, tell people you don't like. Yeah. If you think we suck, tell us we suck because I'd love to hear why. Yeah. And that's not sarcasm. That's literally, I'd love to hear why you think we suck. Yeah. I mean, everybody has taste and 
that's just how it is. So, uh, well, I guess with that, it's, it's time to say, you know, be kind to each other and go play or run some RPGs. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. And my train of thought just went out the window. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that is one hundred percent. Sorry, my no, train I, of thought just. No, revealed. I I was kind of there too. Um, nope. Okay, so back to something here. Um, well, with that, let's move on to game of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Game of the week. <laughs> All right. Just just in the middle of a thought that died. Just... Well, I think probably we ought to wrap up a little bit more than that before that. Yeah, we got to. Um, 